3: Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien. And today, I'll be sharing some insights and uh, practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in our world today. Many people, of course, are familiar with the term yoga, but not so many are aware of the philosophy uh, it holds in terms of acknowledging and helping us to experience our essential spiritual nature, to be restored. To our original homeless knowing, the truth of what we are, and then living in harmony with it. And our topic today is one truth known by. Many names, the interspiritual imperative of yoga and Vedanta. So we're going to be looking at, um, how as a spiritual science and practice, both yoga and Vedanta can be practiced by people from many traditions and we can discover the heart of truth at them all. And our uh, special guest joining us today is Swami Maha Yogananda. Uh, Swamiji joined the Ramakrishna order in 1997, attended the Order Seminary at its headquarters in India and served at several of the Order Centers in India. In uh, 2008, he was posted to the Vedanta Center of Greater Washington, D.C., and served briefly at the Vedanta Society of Berkeley, and he currently serves at the Vedanta Society of Southern California in Los Angeles. Swami Maha Yogananda uh, and I, were we both participated recently in a gathering of contemplatives at the Snowmass Interspiritual Dialogue meeting with Father Thomas Keating, who uh, is a Catholic uh, monk and priest who's been known for uh, lifting up this uh, philosophy and practice of interspiritual engagement, uh, Swami Mahayogananda's uh, website is vedanta.org. Welcome, Swami Mahayogananda. I'm so delighted you're here today on Yoga Hour.
4: Mother Uma, it's a delight for me to be here and to talk with you and to remember our profound meeting in Snowmass.
3: Oh, that's wonderful! I know. So let's practice something just for a moment that we practice there, which is just a time of sharing, uh, in a moment of contemplation, moment of quiet reflection. Aum. Let us hear the call. Awaken. To the one truth known by many names. And as we hear that call, open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence. We affirm one reality called by many names as the support and substance of all that is. So we take a breath, just an easy breath coming present to ourselves in this moment. And as we become awake and aware, present to ourselves, we can remember that reality right where we are. This divine essence that is present within us, around us, through us, between us. So let us simply move our attention and awareness from the periphery to the depths of our being. And we can do that with the breath, just noticing its natural flow. Breathing in, feel that you are diving within to the infinite ocean of divine bliss. Breathing out. Letting go of sorrow, especially the sorrow of separation. Breathing in, diving in to oneness, to peace, to bliss. Breathing out, letting go. Such a simple practice to become aware of our breath and to intend to become aware of the higher true self. So simple. And in a moment, we notice our thoughts and feelings beginning to settle and awareness expanding, becoming aware of that unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being within and the peace that emanates from it so as we conclude this moment of meditation let's gather up that peace now and intend to let it permeate our day to share that peace with all that we meet mm-hmm.
4: Peace. Peace. Shanti, shanti, shanti.
3: That's beautiful. Thank you, that, Swamiji.
4: Thank you, Mother That was very nice.
3: Now, as you mentioned, um, you know, we both participated in this recent gathering of contemplatives at the beautiful monastery in Snowmass, Colorado, and this interspiritual dialogue with Father Thomas Keating. And so I thought we, you know, for our, our listeners who might be unfamiliar with that term interspiritual and the whole movement that surrounds it, we could begin... um just talking a little bit about the term, um, how we understand it and how we experienced it. You know, for me, right. uh, I, I understand it as a form of engagement uh, across religious and spiritual traditions that that aims to explore not only dialogue about what we believe and how we differ, but to connect um it, along deeper avenues of insight of practice and engagement so uh and and I understood you know this was a call that came from Father Thomas who's a mystic a con- contemplative um who 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 felt that it was imperative for the religious uh, and spiritual traditions to come together in this way. You know, dialogue is so important as we learn about each other, we learn about our beliefs, our practices, but, you know, that stops at the door of our differences. And and so, you know, how do we come together in such a way that um, we begin to understand our common... um, divinity as well um, so Swamiji how did you get drawn to the, participate in, in the snowmass dialogue and, and what has been your interest in this whole whole thing
4: well I, I was thinking about that and uh, because uh, it actually goes back pretty far uh, when I was first began to seek uh, for something more when I first started getting those first inklings of there must be more to life than just what we're seeing here uh, I was. I came in touch with uh, a real interspiritual teacher, whose name was Lex Hickson.
5: Oh. Some of
4: some of you may have heard of him. Some of our listeners uh-huh. may know. He he was yeah. a, a practitioner in Vedanta, but also in a number of other traditions. He called them parallel sacred worlds. Mm. And he introduced me simultaneously to Islamic mysticism, and Zen Buddhism, and Vedanta. Mm. So I was. Uh, I started my path actually walking three paths at the same time. <laughs> and it was, a, it, was a, it was a wonderful period of, uh, of exploration and uh, beginning to, uh, of awakening and finding these uh, amazing spiritual traditions which are leading us to spiritual awakening, that mm-hmm. spirit is true, spirit is real. And here are these living traditions passed down for thousands of years that are vehicles for personal transformation and realization, so it was a, a wonderful time of seeking and uh, then uh, what happened is uh, I realized that i <laughs> I had to pick one <laughs> and uh, to, to really dive deep, I had to pick one, so it also became a, after that uh, initial excitement it, it was a period of of uh, pain a little bit painful because I knew that I had to pick one, but i, I didn 't know how I could give up the other ones um. and uh, so, uh, finally, uh, uh, finally, I was somehow, it ended up being Vedanta. <laughs> uh. and, it, and in some ways, I think that was very fortunate for me because Vedanta has the breadth to include everything. So, although it seemed for a while that I had to give up Islamic mysticism and Zen Buddhism, but ultimately, they're still with me and I don't have to give them up. They're still part of my life. Uh, in a sense, and, and I, have the, I can have this deep appreciation for the other traditions, uh, mm-hmm. partly because I've practiced them myself and mm-hmm. partly because Vedanta uh, gives that framework. So when I heard about the Snowmass Interspiritual Dialogue in Colorado, I immediately was interested. Uh, and then I felt so lucky when uh, one of our swamis, who was at that time, part of the conference, uh, invited me to participate.
3: Mm. Well, yeah, it was such a wonderful um experience, and you know i i didn't get to meet Lex, um but I did read his books and uh-huh. I really enjoyed them thoroughly and uh what I noticed was you know there was certainly a transmission from him of his spiritual consciousness um yeah. and that he made these traditions um very uh accessible and it, and it did seem to me I didn't really know and I didn't know him but it seemed to me that he was very rooted in Vedanta <laughs> so yes, um, yes, he was. yeah and so I can I can see I can see that and um, you know it's interesting uh, I have perhaps a little bit of a similar experience in that mm. you know I was searching searching in different uh, traditions and you know Zen being one and you know I I, I think of Alan Watts as my introduction to uh, Zen and and Vedanta and probably Christian mysticism uh-huh. all at the same time, and that uh-huh. quite interested me. And then when I read um, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's autobiography of the yogi, um, I was fascinated a lot by the footnotes in the book. You know where uh-huh. where where he he would describe. Um, you know, at the heart of our religions, how important it is, um, to find God and to not just, um, have our religion be at the level of belief. And of course, right, that's, right, that's right. the crux of, um, both Vedanta and yoga. That's the, cru- that's the crux. <laughs> that's the crux of, of yeah. finding, um, and I, I'll just take a moment and read. I, I was looking at an article, uh, by Parmansa Yogananda. It's probably one of his sermons. That's included in the book Man's Eternal Quest, and he wrote, The great religions of the world all preach the necessity of finding God, of brotherhood among men, and all have a moral code, such as the Ten Commandments. What then creates the differences among them? And he says, it's bigotry. In men's mind, not by concentrating on dogma, may we reach God, but by actual soul knowledge. When men perceive Mm -hmm. the universal truths underlying various religions, there will be no more difficulties over dogma. To me, there is neither Jew nor Christian nor Hindu. All are my brothers. I worship in all temples, for each of them has been erected to honor my father. And so, wow. of course, he had, he had that universal outlook. But today, in the you know this interspiritual movement, we find you know many nuances of it, and so, um, and especially the importance of uh, in. Let's see. We could say there's both ends, you know. So there's the importance of being able to engage with others of different faiths who are grounded in their own faith, like you say yeah. now. You know, for you that is Vedanta, and then from yes. there you can open to and experience and appreciate the the jewels of other traditions. And um, and then there are others, of course, who who now are saying, no, my whole path is interspiritual. I am not uh, grounded in one. One place other than the heart of my own spiritual consciousness. So we'll talk about right. that more uh, in in the program. Um, but for now, tell us about your experience of interga- in, uh, of engagement with others from different traditions. How did you experience um, that?
4: Well, the it was it, what the first I, I attended the Snowmass uh, dialogue twice actually. First in 2012, and the second time was in 2015, this recent time when we shared the time together. And the first uh, experience was uh, really a breakthrough in some ways for me. Uh, And maybe in a different way from what most people would expect. Because I felt coming to a group like this that I could fully appreciate and accept everyone there because Uh of my background in Vedanta and my my background of uh, of practicing different traditions. And I was reminded of uh, the young men from the uh, Norbertine Abbey who used to come to the Ramakrishna Monastery uh, and and want to have a tour. They're curious to see the place. And I would feel that uh, my own spiritual brothers have come Mm-hmm. but i could sense that they didn't feel the same way they've kind of mm-hmm. oh, what's this young guy doing in a hindu monastery after all mm-hmm. we're you know we're following the true path or or something like that so when i came i had this doubt will they will the others be able to accept me mm-hmm. i can ac- i know i can accept them but i i was feeling uh, very tentative that uh, will they be able to accept me and at a certain point uh, because it was such a warm and embracing environment and we were getting to know each other as friends I was able to voice that doubt mm. and uh, it one of the other uh, participants who was about ba- as I recall a Baptist minister uh, he uh, expressed his uh, deep grief that such and such a uh, a doubt would have to be and and but realizing that it was things perhaps in his own tradition that brought about That kind of doubt, Mm. and uh, so it was a a moving moment when uh, he acknowledged, on the one hand, that there are things in our traditions, in all of our traditions, which uh, don't live up to this ideal of interspiritual appreciation and recognition. And at the same time, uh, it was a great affirmation that yes, (laughs) he could accept Mm. me, (laughs) and uh, so it it was a, a beautiful. Uh, experience where that doubt of mine, a feeling that I'm not, maybe I'm not accepted by uh, Christian Baptist ministers, uh, was broken. There are at least a few Christian Baptist ministers who accept me fully, and I accept yeah. them also.
3: Yes, and we did have wonderful experience with uh, a Christian minister in that interfaith dialogue who was so. Um, Deeply spiritual and uh, welcoming and also I think what happens when we engage that deeply is everybody is grappling, you know, with the, uh, with at the, at the level of belief, you know, what mm-hmm. is it in my heart, in my belief system that sets up, uh, a barrier? You know, we, as you say, it's in all of our traditions and we all yeah. experience it in some way, some kind of prejudice about, yeah. well, you know, this is what I believe and, um, I'm not sure that you have the right belief. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. so right. And there's a lot of uh, value, I think, in that kind of grappling. Yeah.
4: Um, and that's, of course, also the, the great importance of the interspiritual uh, movement uh, that, as we, you were mentioning earlier, that it's about direct experience. It's not ultimately about belief, about what my book says. It's what about about what my heart directly experiences.
3: Mm, and what and, we can know, and how we can meet each other uh, in the deepest way. So when wow. we come back from the break, um, we're going to just look at Vedanta and yoga, um, how they can support this uh, interspiritual understanding and experience. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest Swami Mahayogananda of the Ramakrishna Order, who's currently serving at the Vedanta vedanta society of southern california in los angeles and their website is vedanta.org we'll be right back with you
1: wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world that's easier than ever with mobile giving just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box.
6: Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. the voice of an awakening world.
2: You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien.
3: We now return to The Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Today we're uh, talking with Swami Mahayogananda about this um, interspiritual engagement, and um, in this segment of the program, we're going to be looking at what is it that we find in yoga and Vedanta that um, that support uh, this. Uh, idea of interspirituality and that uh, encourage uh, and at least make open the possibility of exploring uh, at a deep level the heart of the past. You know, we think of the uh, teaching from the Rikveda truth is one the sages call it by many names so this understanding that there is one truth one reality makes it possible for us to respect all religions and spiritual paths as different ways to reach the same goal of self and god realization so swamiji what what do you find in vedanta that um has supported um, for you this um idea and practice of interspiritual engagement or that offers, you know, a more expansive view about religious diversity?
4: Uh, well, of course, in our tradition, it goes back, as you say, to that beautiful verse, ekam sat vipra that, and it's interesting to hear Swami Vivekananda's translation. He says, that which exists is one. Sages call it variously. That which exists, ekam sat. That sat. That which that Mm -hmm. ultimate reality is one. And uh, then we have in our tradition, especially with Sri Ramakrishna's teachings, we find uh, how he gives us so many beautiful parables. Like, for instance. Uh, the elephant and the blind
5: people,
4: <laughs> and how the the blind people wanted to know what an elephant is like, and so they were introduced to an elephant, and they all touched it, and then they began to quarrel amongst themselves. The one said, "Well, an elephant's like a pillar," and another one said, "Well, I touched the elephant; it's like a snake," and the third said, "Well, what do you mean? I touched the elephant too; it's like a broomstick." <laughs> and of course, they had touched different parts of the elephant. They had all. The important thing is that they had all touched the elephant. They had all touched the elephant, but they had touched. They hadn't experience the whole elephant. Mm. So likewise, when uh, it seems like different traditions are presenting conflicting ideas about divine reality, about absolute reality, uh, it's not that one is right and others are wrong. And this uh, this example shows us how that can be, because it's seeing reality from a different standpoint. We're only touching the leg of the elephant or the Mm -hmm. tail of the elephant or the trunk of the elephant. Uh, yeah,
3: And I think in both yoga and Vedanta, you know, we have an introduction in our teachings to relative truth and absolute truth, you know, uh-huh. when in this quote, you know, that which exists is one is absolute truth. Um, mm-hmm. But when we're looking at the level of belief, um, that is relative truth. Everybody has a different f- viewpoint. And that point of view is also subject to change, you know, over time. Right. Yeah. And, um, of course, that's important that it can, you know, that people have new revelations and it changes at that level. So, I think yoga and Vedanta give us that understanding that allows us to think of um, viewpoint, our point of view as a relative truth and, right. uh, this heart of reality as absolute truth. And, um, you know, Swamiji, when I think of Ramakrishna Paramahansa, I think of, um, a story that someone told me or I read about him that when, um, devotees would come <laughs> to him to a- to ask about, you know, the reality and the teachings and yeah. learn about God, he would say, well, you know, how do you want to uh, talk about God, you know, with qualities or without?
5: <laughs> right. Uh-huh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and so, this there is, we find in uh, yoga and Vedanta both, this um, amazing, uh, expansive uh, way of looking at... Uh, this expression of God uh, that can be both beyond, can be transcendental, mm-hmm. you know without qualities unmoving, unchanging, or can be you know that which is expressing infinitely in many forms and in mm-hmm. in many ways so um I found that you know that was so attractive to me in yoga you know I found that in yes. of course Paramahansa yogananda that was so inspiring to me you know how he worshiped a uh, divine mother
5: yes
3: um but you know he also worshiped uh krishna and right. uh and he could and he could worship also the christ yes, and yes. uh and so you know it was like different uh, facets of the same Gem, yeah. and uh, you know it, that, that appealed to me.
4: Sure, that's that's the uh, idea. The idea of the chosen ideal that we have that mm-hmm. uh, the d- divine is one, but uh, it manifests in in different ways and to suit the needs and natures of different people. So uh, you might be a d- devotee of Divine Mother. I might be a devotee of Jesus, and it's not that we're worshiping a different God, in a sense, mm-hmm. but, but uh, our chosen ideal is that particular manifestation of the divine which most appeals to us, to which we direct our concentration, our devotion, our prayer, our meditation, and through which we enter, ultimately, the infinite non-dual supreme mm-hmm. reality
3: that which is where all the names and forms drop away they melt they uh, melt away mm-hmm.
4: yes uh, yeah and i think
3: <laughs> i think that's what um well, I don't know. You know, Father Keating, uh, you know, has been such an inspiration to me. And I, and I was about to say, well, I think, you know, that's the goal. You know, we get together and we, you know, are able to recognize, um, and honor, you know, our differences, our ways of worship, and then also meet in the heart that is beyond all of that form. And, you know, that's really the goal. But, I I don't know that he would say there was a goal. I and I, uh, I, I can't mm. speak for him, but you know my experience right. of him has been that he every time you know we would find something as a group that we could hold up and call truth. Ah. Um, he would say, "Well,
4: <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: you know, didn't you find him to be that way?"
4: Hey, uh, I I heard that uh, pre- when they were working on their their points of agreement uh the he wanted to use the word absolute mystery whereas mm-hmm. the buddhists and the vedantists they preferred the term absolute reality mm-hmm. so that's a, a difference built into our traditions absolute mm-hmm. mystery or absolute reality we tend to say it's absolutely real it is that which exists mm-hmm. whereas he would come at it from that standpoint of it's a mystery we can't know it yes uh, the, so we would We would agree with that because it 's not known in the sense that uh, we know something because there 's a duality there in knowing mm-hmm. and, and yet it is pure existence and consciousness itself
3: yeah, and I just felt as a true mystic he, he was continually encouraging us. Not to come to a conclusion, not, uh-huh, you know, not uh-huh. to, not to put, <laughs> not to put God in a box, even, right, you know, right. even in an inter-spiritual box. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, <laughs> nice I, I remember yes, yes. uh, with a smile, you remember when we were in uh, Seattle and that group, you know, who just absolutely loved him and honored him, you know, for his inter-spiritual work. Uh-huh. And after many years of the snowmass dialogue, you know, there were these principles of, um, uh, what did Prince they call it? Principles of agreement. Principles of agreement, yes. P-
4: points of agreement. They points, points of
3: agreement. <laughs> points of agreement. And then at that interspiritual retreat, the, the group had... um put it's those
5: stone
3: <laughs> I, <think>. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean when we think about it it's kind of humorous now isn't it yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. and they and it was really to honor father Keating and the whole movement right. and to put them make these points of agreement because they're so hopeful that all yeah. these different traditions can find points of agreement but then to you know put them up there at the interspiritual retreat and right, I remember yeah. you know when they showed them to father Keating and then in in his re- in his response, you know, he was grateful and, you know, it was kind of like, well, what do you think? And he said, well, it's a good beginning.
4: <laughs> yeah, right. I, I remember that too. <laughs> and, and it re- that really did set us forward that, oh, yes, this is not an end. This is just, it's a, it's a step, but it's, uh-huh. uh, we shouldn't make too much of this. We shouldn't make Ex- too much of these points. Exactly.
3: Exactly, yeah. So you know, we and as we look in our in our own traditions, you know, we find as we've been uh, talking that there are some ways in which you know we were both drawn to our paths because of um, the openness that was allowed mm-hmm. um, and encouraged. And um, I, no, I, like I said, and you have said that the model of um, you know, how the divine can express in different ways. How, how did, have you seen that Swami Vivekananda modeled uh, an interspiritual
4: approach? Uh, well, you know, it's... it's, it's uh, I don't look on him so much as an interspiritual model as I look on his master, Sri Ramakrishna, as mm-hmm, an interspiritual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's, for, with, from Swami Vivekananda, we get this incredible breadth... And, uh, of course, he had close friendships with uh, rabbis and ministers when he was here in the West. And uh, it's more his teachings that really model that in, that interspiritual attitude. And uh, as you had read a quote uh, from Paramahamsa Yogananda, the, the Swami Vivekananda has a, a, a similar quote. He says, I accept all religions that were in the past and worship with them all. I worship God with every one of them, in whatever form they worship him. I shall go to the mosque of the Mohammedan. I shall enter the Christian's church and kneel before the crucifix. I shall enter the Buddhistic temple where I I shall take refuge in Buddha and in his law. I shall go into the forest and sit down in meditation with the Hindu, who is trying to see the light which enlightens the heart of everyone. Not Mm -hmm. only shall I do all these, but I shall keep my heart open for all that may come in the future. Mm. So this it, mm-hmm. is a, a very very similar uh, sentiment mm-hmm. expressed. Uh,
5: mm-hmm. But yes. one thing
4: one thing that I wanted to uh, highlight was his and this he mentioned in at the Parliament of Religions in 1893 was that uh, this idea of acceptance and uh, assimilation and yet. We grow according to the law, of own lo- our, the law of our own growth. And he gives the example of a seed which is planted in the or falls to the earth and it assimilates the soil and it assimilates the water and it assimilates the sunlight and it assimilates the air. Uh, but it doesn't become any one of those things. It becomes a plant. It grows according to its own law of growth. So similarly... He he said "The Hindu is not to become a Christian, the Buddhist is not to become a Muslim, but uh, we are to take assimilate what the other traditions have to offer us, and then uh, which will really, and I find in my own life, that really deepens our practice, and that's what Swami Vivekananda was encouraging in these kinds of teachings, uh, that by uh, learning other traditions, uh, about other traditions, we can... Deep in our own practice, oh.
3: I think that's true. And of course, you and I have also, you know, talked about this in in terms of how how do we do that and not lose touch with our own root, um, you know. besides the um, call for. This understanding and even engagement in a very broad way that yoga and Vedanta make possible. There is also, as you say, the emphasis on, you know, being uh, rooted in one's own, in one's own tradition. And um, you know, you and I are in agreement on this point that it's essential um that you have that root. Otherwise I think it just becomes confusing. And you know, the whole goal of of yoga is to quiet the mind um and you know, so we can experience our divine nature. But I have found if you know, if I get too uh overly involved in things that are you know, practices, for example, that are outside of my own, um, then it begins to create uh, doubts and confusion in the mental mm. field, mm. Um, which is against the goal of yoga. Right, right. So, you know, I I have found that, um, you know, when I first started out, similar to you, that experimentation was... You know, it's like you like going to the smorgasbord, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, and you're and you're tasting different cuisines,
1: yeah. and
3: and then you find, you know, which is which is the one that is going to be, you know, your steady diet to nourish you. But in you know, Parmansa Yogananda and my own guru taught that you know, once you find your path and you uh, commit yourself to it, you find your guru, you you become anchored. Then for a period of time, you you really have to. Show Shelter yourself only yeah. in that tradition. Like read only right. the masters of your tradition and the scriptures, right. and not go back to the smorgasbord <laughs> uh-huh. um, until you are firmly uh, grounded in uh, in the experience of your own path. Otherwise, uh-huh. you know, there's uh, our teaching is that it 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 can be dangerous because uh, you're just sampling, you know, at the level. Um, Uh, belief um, and, uh, you know, desire for experience and so on that is not um, what is required for realization. And and I'm I'm imagining that there's a similar teaching for you in Vedanta and with your masters as well. Have you found that?
4: Uh, Well, to a certain extent. uh, Although we were always free as novices in the monastery to read widely in other traditions also. And I did to a certain extent. In fact, one of my mentors... Encouraged me to read the Imitation of Christ, Mm, which is mm -hmm. uh, a wonderful. It's like a manual for monastic life, although it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It it was uh, came out of a uh, not a monastic tradition, actually, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's a wonderful manual for monastic life. And Mm there are so many parallels in in the the, that tradition of uh, Christian monasticism and and our monasticism that I found it to be extremely helpful. Yes, Uh, but. I I really agree with you that uh, um, there has to be a time of of single-minded focus. And that will ripen. It must ripen. That's the guarantee of all the teachers that when we apply ourselves with great uh, sincerity and earnestness in spiritual practices, they bear fruit. And you and I, I'm sure, would both agree that we can attest to that in our own lives. Uh, and then that that groundedness comes in our own tradition. Then we can again uh, appreciate, uh, even join with others in other kinds of practices. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that period of uh, ripening, that period of maturing uh, is... Sri Ramakrishna gives the beautiful example of a plant. And when you first plant a tree, you plant a sapling, you had better shield it with a stout... Hedge or else uh, any cow coming along will gobble it up in one bite. (laughs) Now, when that tree grows big and strong, you can tie an elephant to it and it won't be, it won't be injured. So likewise, when at the beginning of spiritual life, we, we need some protection. We need some, uh, deep focus and without getting distracted. Once we've become a tree, why then? You know the, mm-hmm. the, sto- the storms. The storms can rage, and the elephants can be tied to us, and uh, we mm-hmm. won't be affected.
3: That's a beautiful way to think of it. And and uh, you know, I'm also aware that you know, for those of us who are interested in you know interfaith dialogue and interspiritual dialogue and engagement, it's also um, a great benefit. Um, to be able to bring your own tradition. In other words, to have a place where you stand
5: uh-huh.
3: um, so others can know you from that perspective and you can know them. Um, it, so, you know, that's part of the engagement. And, and I have found that, um, it, you know, interfaith groups are are very interested in that. You know, they're looking um, for people who are rooted in their tradition yeah. so yeah. they can come to understand that uh, quote-unquote other. Um, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about um, promises and pitfalls of interspiritual engagement. We've kind of talked a little bit about that already, but we'll, we'll um, get back into it in terms of interspiritual approach to our practice. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest Swami Mahayogananda of the Ramakrishna Order. He's currently serving at the Vedanta Society of Southern California in Los Angeles, and their website is vedanta.org. And we'll be right back with you in just a moment.
7: Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard?
1: Isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right.
7: Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show. And I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists and students from Unity Institute and Seminary. Topics like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care, religion and politics, current events.
1: Yeah, but they'll all be unity people, right?
7: Dr. Tom and his students will talk about the hard questions facing all people today. Sometimes joined by rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better. He's going to introduce a controversial topic and let students and special guests go for it.
1: This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs)
7: If I know Dr. Tom, he will keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, i got to hear
1: this. When and where?
7: The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So let's talk about
1: it. Definitely let's.
2: You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org, and we will respond. Now, back to The Yoga Hour.
3: Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and I'm talking today with Swami Maha Yogananda, um, who's serving at the Vedanta Society of Southern, uh, in Southern California and Los Angeles area. And we, we've been talking about the interspiritual experience and, um, how yoga and Vedanta are supportive, uh, of that. And, uh, in this last segment, we thought we might, um, talk a little bit about the potential for that movement, what it can bring to our world. At this particular time uh, in the U.S., um, there's a lot of political dialogue going on. Um, and we've had a lot of violence uh, in our society and, of course, in the world that, that concerns people deeply. And some of the rhetoric that comes out of that is very divisive. And, yeah, um, that, 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 that concerns people, um, you know, it really breaks our hearts. And so, you know, we're all asking, well, you know, what can I do? And, um, so perhaps we, we find something in our interfaith, in our interreligious engagement, um, that can t- contribute to, you know, a deeper, uh, a, a deeper bonding in our humanity and a a deeper uh experience and understanding of our <clears throat> common uh divinity um how do you see you know the interspiritual um movement as as contributing to to peace and to harmony
4: i th- i think it has great potential uh and uh, precisely because in, in the interspiritual movement, we get to know people from other traditions as friends, as fellow human beings, not as uh, – we start out maybe as someone other. You are a Christian. I am a Hindu. You are a Muslim. I am a Jew. But then we realize, well, we're both human beings, and we're both seeking something higher. We're both seeking a higher reality, which you may call Allah and I may call God, uh and when we share that common humanity, uh, we begin to break down those barriers of which are primarily barriers of fear, fearing mm. the other. when we realize mm-hmm. that we're no longer they're, they're, we're, we're not other anymore, the fear begins to break down, so the interspiritual movement has great potential uh, and uh, let it, let, I encourage everyone, all our listeners, get to know someone who is of a different religion. Maybe someone who is of a very different religion. Someone who you wouldn't think of meeting. You know, in our, and this is not maybe on the level of interspiritual, but our interreligious council of Southern California, we have some Mormons, uh, or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as they like to say. And I had always looked on them with some, Reserve because Mm -hmm. I didn't know about them but Mm -hmm. I got to know I've gotten to know a number of Mormons and they're wonderful people and Mm -hmm. that that barrier in my own mind that little bit of uh, prejudice in my own mind against Mormons because they're other they're different from me they have funny uh, they have funny ideas but when I got (laughs) to know them I found Mm -hmm. that they're Beautiful
3: people. Yeah, exactly. And of course, then, you know, whenever we look at our ideas like that, Swamiji, we can, you know, sometimes I I, I, I turn that, um, that, That glance around and say, Oh my, you know, I can imagine that people think, um, you know, Kriya yogis have very unusual beliefs and practices. Uh (laughs) (laughs)
5: And
3: so, you know, when we can, when we can see that and, and smile about it, I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's very helpful. And as you mentioned, you know, to get to know each other and to spend time together, um, -hmm. I think that's really, um, Uh, that's so critical especially now so to get Uh, and it's the call of an awakening world, isn't it, to, you know, get out of our silos of our, you know, our beliefs and the people who are just like us, they look like us, you know, they believe like us, Mm -hmm. and we have the same practices, but, you know, to open our hearts, open our doors and uh, experience the other. And, you you know, there's, if you go to interspiritual engagement, you're going to share in some practices that, you know, can take you beyond your edges, you know, which we, of course, experience. At Snowmass. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, just having a meal together, just doing the um, things that people do can be such a deep way of bonding. I was thinking about. You know, when we were at Snowmass, of course, we had the experience of of uh, dialoguing, um, of talking. We had the experience of uh, meditating together, of uh, seeing uh, and sharing in each other's practices. But we also, you know, shared meals, and we also went for that fabulous hike together.
4: Yes, yes.
3: And, uh, you know, and into the maroon bells up in the hills and, and, you know, Swamiji, you, I think about, you know, something that you offered us as hikers <laughs> that, you know, will always be remembered, you know, for, by me, um, and I think also the others, it, it was um, chocolate. so (laughs) so you know we'd been hiking and you know it wasn't too strenuous but there we were out there in the wilderness and uh and you had brought this little gift you know for us Mm, that you gave to everyone so a a very human thing right and uh (laughs) we we could all enjoy that little break you know out in nature and uh I just think of that in a, in, in a deeper way, you know, so that it was a very common and kind thing. And uh, it was sweet, you know, in both the literal and the uh, <laughs> metaphorical uh, significance
4: of well, that. I, yes, yes. Well, I'm touched that you would remember that. Uh, <laughs> but that, that that's part of what, what's very important about... Inter-spiritual dialogue and inter-spiritual movement and inter-religious interaction is uh, that it's not just on the level of dialogue because that tends, then we tend to get bogged down in ideas. But when it goes to spiritual practices or simply sharing a meal together or having a walk together, then those personal human bonds are forged which mm-hmm. really remove all our fear and really we we love each other though we may believe differently but we experience together in in a common heart
3: that is that is really it and when we look at the masters in our tradition i think we see um that they had um friends uh, in other traditions,
5: you uh-huh, know, that, yes, um,
3: yes. and that that is really an example. Even you know, beyond the teachings that uh, point to it, we, we see in their living example um, that they had friends and they walked with those friends um, in such a beautiful way. Um, I think we're, we're getting, uh, near to, uh, concluding the program this morning. And Swamiji, I thought I would, um, read a little poem that I wrote about the experience, one experience that I had in Snowmash. Should I do that? This oh, I was, don't uh, this was, remember the evening that we, um, we had our Muslim friend teach us how to, uh, how to do the turning at right yeah. me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. which was something so this this poem came for me uh for that the moon reminded me this morning the moon reminded me it's never too late or too early to shine go ahead there's a way to turn without losing your balance even though you get drunk on the beloved's wine even though you leave your shoes behind at the sama Go ahead, take them off. Place your hand on your heart. Start turning toward the light. Raise yourself by yourself at dawn. Go ahead, shine in the morning sky.
4: Thank you, Mother Uma. (laughs) Beautiful poem.
3: Thank you so much. Beautiful
4: poem, and thank you. (laughs) It's uh, uh, really captures that spirit of uh, uh, of joy and encouragement that the spiritual life is all about. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Go forward. Go. Ex- experience it. It's right here. Yeah. Just yeah. open your heart and experience it.
3: Thank you so much, Swamiji, for joining me this morning. It is a real joy to be uh, in this conversation with you and... I thank our listeners for tuning in. I thank uh, Jeff Comfort in the sound booth for uh, nurturing us along with our sound this morning. And I invite you to come back next week for the times of your life exploring Jyotish Vedic Astrology. And uh, for more information about Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour at iTunes. I look forward to being with you again next week. Until then remember go ahead shine let your (laughs) let your love and your peace shine into the world thank you again swamiji
4: thank thank you mother
2: thank you for tuning into the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien join us every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific for practical purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. A ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. www.csecenter.org Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org.
9: Have you ever stood by a railroad track when a fast train was approaching from a distance? As the train came nearer, the roar of the engine and the screech of the whistle seemed to rise in pitch and become louder. As it came alongside, it seemed larger than life and ready to engulf you. Then as the train passed by, the sound became lower in pitch and loudness until at last it was merely an echo in the distance. Just like that train, sometimes our experiences appear larger than life just before they pass us by. It seems they are going to engulf us, and then suddenly they're gone. Perhaps you are in a larger-than-life situation right now. Changing your thoughts can result in positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org.
0: Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org.